Okay, this is the third week of our At The Movies series. Has anybody enjoyed this series so far? Come on, loved it. Every week has just been great. Today, you're in for a real treat. And if you're, if you're wondering a little bit about the, the approach or the style of At The Movies, it is a little bit different than what you might be, you know, like a traditional sermon series or message, something that you might be more comfortable with or used to. But really, we take this approach from how I believe Jesus would have taught while he walked this earth thousands of years ago. See, when Jesus was alive, he taught in parables. And the parable is a short story that's used to illustrate a spiritual truth or a spiritual lesson. And so Jesus knew the culture. He knew how to connect to the people. And so he would use stories to capture their heart, to get their attention, and then also to pull out some, some truth from his word. Uh, which, which, by the way, if you're wrestling through your faith, I just challenge you to start with picking up this Bible and reading it. At the end of the day, it's still the number one best-selling book of all time. So if for no other reason you give it a shot, give it a shot for that. But how many of you know that when you read it, something happens? So anyway, Jesus taught in parables. And so we're kind of taking that same approach. I think if Jesus were alive today, he would consider using movie clips because there's something about movies that captivate our heart. And so we're taking different movies. We're using different clips from those movies and from those clips. We're bringing out spiritual lessons, too. And I think that you're really going to enjoy it. You've enjoyed the couple of weeks already. And then the final two weeks, I think we're going to build off of each other. So next Sunday is a big Sunday. As a matter of fact, outside of Easter, it'll be the biggest attended Sunday of the year. And so this is one of our most anticipated Sundays. We call it Sunday Fun Day. Uh, we do this a couple of times a year at Go Church, and it's our version of Friends and Family Day, and it is on a whole nother level. Come on. If you've ever been a part of a Sunday Fun Day, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we go all out to make sure that all of our guests, especially those that are first-time guests, that they have an experience that is one of a kind, and they encounter a true, genuine, authentic, you know, worship experience with Jesus and our guest services on a whole nother level, our Go Kids ministry. I'm telling you, it's just fantastic. And so we're going to stay with the theme of At The Movies. Next week, we'll show the movie Toy Story. That's on purpose. We're trying to draw families to come and to be a part. Uh, there's a few special surprises that are going to happen next Sunday that you don't know about. And then there are some things that I'm allowed to tell you. Uh, for example, Buzz Lightyear will be here. Come on now. Sheriff Woody will be here. Like, I'm talking legit be here. And then for those of you that are super spiritual, well, I hope Jesus shows up. Jesus will be here too. Come on, that's all right. Jesus will be here. So it's going to be a great day. And again, there's a few surprises along the way. And I'm just challenging you, really, really encouraging you, not only to show up, but to bring someone with you. As a matter of fact, you got a little bit of an assignment. Uh, as you came in or as you leave, we don't want to miss you. They're going to give you a couple different things. The first thing they'll give you is a card like this. It's called an invest and invite card. This is for you to keep. Uh, we're just asking for you to write down four names, four individuals uh, that you're going to. And here's how we get the name invest and invite. Four individuals that you're willing to invest in. Into, so that when you invite them, the possibility of them coming is even greater. 
So let me show you like an invest and invite approach. Maybe you have a neighbor and you're starting to notice that the leaves are falling. So the investment you make is I'm going to go rake their yard and then I'll invite them to my church on Sunday. Do you get it? Something really simple. You can hang this on the fridge. Uh, you can pray over this throughout the week. But I want you to write down four names of individuals, maybe from one from work, one from school, uh, one from your neighborhood, etc. And then let's pray over that so that when we invite them, they show up next week. And then to uh, kind of help you with that, we're also giving you these invite cards. Now, next Sunday, there's no, there's no ticket needed for entry. There's no cost, obviously. Uh, some people that aren't familiar with the church, they may think that there's a cost attached, but there is no cost attached. You can take as many of these invite cards as you would like. We're asking you to canvas your neighborhood, to canvas your work uh, complex. Uh, take them to your school if they allow you to pass them out. Hang them up in the Starbucks, you know, like a uh, community board. Uh, when you go rent a uh, red box, drop one off there. You know, when you go to the ATM, leave one there and put your pin number on the back. You know, try something different. Just seeing if you're listening. I'm seeing if you're listening. You know, but pass these out. Give them to somebody. Again, take as many as you would like. Next Sunday. And, oh, here's the thing. I, I'm, we're not trying to reach churched people. I'm not trying to pull from other churches. We're trying to go after the unchurched the de-churched, and then the anti-church. So if you know people that kind of fall into that category, maybe they've been hurt by church before, or they're against faith altogether, just say, hey, give it a shot. What do you have to lose? Next Sunday, next Sunday is going to be fantastic. Are you excited? Come on, I'm thrilled. I can't wait. All right. So make sure you pick up these things on your way out and let's pack the house for Jesus. All three gatherings today have been incredible, exceptional, and I'm believing next Sunday, you're going to have to come with a little extra grace uh, because the, the parking is going to be a little bit more challenging. There's going to be longer check-in lines for kids' ministry. Uh, there's going to be longer bathroom lines. So somebody just say extra grace, extra grace. But that's a good problem because the more people that show up next week, the more people get to hear about hope. And hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together with anticipation for next week. Okay, let's jump in. Let's jump in. I'm ready to go. This is my third time getting to share this message, and uh, I pray that you receive it the way that the Lord has put it in my heart. Today, I'm going to show you a few clips from a movie called Bridge of Spies. Anybody ever seen the movie Bridge of Spies? Uh, the amount of hands that went up is about consistent in all of the gatherings. Not many people have seen this film. It's actually one of my favorite films. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, the last couple of weeks, you've been advertising that you were going to show Wonder Woman. So what happened? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you what happened was, and I hope it's okay to be honest, I never felt a peace about that message. And all week long, up until Thursday, I wrestled, wrestled, wrestled with, God, I don't think this is what you want me to preach on. So I talked to my wife and I said, babe, I don't think that this is what the Lord wants me to preach on, but I've advertised Wonder Woman. And Kimberly, in all of her grace, elegance, and beauty said, if God told you to change, you better change it. And so I, I hope it's okay with you, but I'm going to obey the Lord. And uh, one of the big things you need to know is I'm not about entertaining people. As a matter of fact, on the back of my iPad is inscribed these words, preach to impact, not to impress. And that really is my heart. I hope to bring a message every Sunday that is impactful and not just impressive. And so today is not about entertainment, although I hope that the Lord does speak to you in a, in a way that you need to hear from him. So I'm going to obey the Lord. Is that okay with you? So I'm going to show you a clip, a few clips today from Bridge of Spies. Let me give you a little context. I love stories that are inspired by true events and Bridge of Spies is one of them. This movie is centered around a time in our history around the Cold War. And this, is, this was a time of incredible instability for our country. 
And the movie, again, inspired by a true story, uh, the main, one of the main characters is James Donovan. James Donovan is a New York insurance lawyer that has been asked to defend a man by the name of Rudolf Abel. Now, Rudolf Abel is a Soviet spy. He's arrested for espionage. He's going to trial and nobody wants to defend him. And here's why. He's guilty. I mean, it's an open and shut case. He's guilty. And no, no good lawyer wants to take on a case that they know they're going to lose and there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. And not only is Rudolph Abel guilty for the crimes that he committed, but the punishment of the crimes would deserve the death penalty. So James Donovan is presented with the opportunity to defend Rudolph Abel. And the first clip that you're about to see is James Donovan sitting down with his family, talking about the possibility of taking on this controversial client. So sit back, enjoy clip number one of one of my favorite movies, Bridge of Spies. But it's also an honor. And the Bar Association asked me because they want to show that even a spy gets a capable advocate. Well, maybe it's the kind of honor we could do without. Hey, honey, People what are you doing home? I got stood up. Well, that's despicable. Who is this knothead? I'd rather not say. Well, sit down. We just started. People are scared. They're building bomb shelters to protect themselves from people like this man. I go to the store. People are buying canned food and potassium tablets. It's all about this man and what he represents. He's a threat to all of us, a traitor. Who's a traitor? The Rosenbergs were traitors. Who were they? That's your sister's They gave atomic secrets to the Russians. They were Americans. They betrayed their country. You can't accuse Abel of being a traitor. He's not an American. Listen to yourself. You're defending him already. I'm hungry. You're rehearsing it on me. You said you were just thinking about it. I am just thinking about it. It's very hard. Everyone deserves a defense. Every person matters. Jim, what do we deserve? Do you know how people will look at us? The family of a man trying to free a traitor? He's not a traitor, Mary. Yes, yes, Roger, get that. He's not a traitor. But what do I have to do all the work? Oh, wait yeah. till we say grace. He's not the most unpopular man in this country, and you're trying to take second place. Yeah, and I'm third. Carol, you just dated the wrong guy. Mary, don't make this an argument. We're not having an argument. You're against him, I'm for him. No, I'm not for him. I'm not for the Russians spying on us. I'm for his right to, to have a defense in a court of law, which is why they call it a oh, court sorry, of sorry, law. I, did, I didn't mean to interrupt. A court of law. Hey, Doug. Oh, no, not at all. A court of law. A kangaroo court. I'm not flailing. Go ahead, Doug. You can join us for dinner. We're having meatloaf tonight. So, you came over to help Jim think about whether he's taking the case? Oh, we're taking it. It's exciting, isn't it? Lord, we thank thee for the blessings we are about to receive. Thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Exactly. I don't know if you caught the line that he said, but I, I want you to write this down. And, and I doubt that the writers of this movie script saw the spiritual, you know, just uh, depth of this line. But here's what James Donovan said. He says, everyone deserves a defense because every person matters. Isn't that good? Everyone deserves a defense because every person matters. Look, at the end of the day, Donovan knew that Rudolph Abel was guilty. Uh, that there, again, there was, there was so much evidence stacked up against him that he knew that, that he was guilty. But in Donovan's heart of hearts, he believed that every person matters. And watch this. Even the guilty ones matter. 
And can I tell you the truth? When God looks down from heaven, when he looks upon humanity, he, he knows that we're guilty. He knows that you're guilty, and, and God certainly knows that I'm guilty. As a matter of fact, in his word, he tells us in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. No, none of us are perfect. It's just not that way. And watch this. We literally have a death sentence on us for the crimes that we've committed. And somebody has to pay the penalty of the sin. And what is the penalty? What's the severity of the penalty? Just like for Rudolph Abel, it was the death penalty. For us, it's the same. It says, and the wages of that sin, the payment of that sin is death. And I want you to know something, and many of you know this, but it should serve as an encouragement, a reminder, or maybe even a liberating truth. If it were not for Jesus, without Jesus, we would have to pay the penalty of that sin. And we're the ones that deserve death. But watch what Ephesians 2 says. And I don't always use the message translation, but I'm going to use it here because of the beauty of the, of the writing. It says this, instead, can we just pause right there and thank God for instead moments? Like, instead of getting what we deserved, instead, immense, and somebody say mercy. Oh, immense in mercy. And with incredible love, somebody say love. God embraced us and he took our sin-dead lives. And this is what he did. And he made us alive in Christ. Aren't you thankful that you can be alive in Christ? And then I love how this verse ends. It says, and he did it all on his own. No help from us. <laughs> And I think some of you are here today at either one of our campuses and, and you know that you're guilty. And the enemy is really good at making us feel that weight of guilt and shame, isn't he? The enemy is really good at pouring on condemnation with guilt and you carry around the weight of that guilt and the weight of that shame and, and you're sitting there wondering, is, is there a way out of this? Is there any hope that I can get out, out of it? And you need to hear what I'm about to say to you because it's important. You can never get out of it on your own. You need a rescuer. You need a savior. And God knew that. And so he sent us Jesus. And let me tie it in with the whole movie. You need a lawyer. You, you need an attorney. You, you need an advocate. And guess what? I got some really good news for you. 1 John 2, 1 says, we have an advocate. Come on now. And this advocate is Jesus Christ. And he pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Come on. If you're thankful for Jesus, somebody give him some praise. Oh, come on. Do a little better than that. Come on now. Let me say it to you like this. You've got an attorney. His name is Jesus. He's the best in the business. And he's so confident in getting you out of the issue that you're in, he'll even pay the legal fees. Come on now. So it leads us to a question. What, what do you do when you're guilty? Because we're all guilty. We've all sinned. We've all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what do we do when we're guilty? There's two groups of people in this room today. And here's the only responses that we can make. It's the group of people that try to defend themselves. Or it's the group of people that lets God defend them. And so you have to choose. You can defend yourself and you will lose all the time. How many of you can testify to that? Or you can let God defend you. Watch the second clip of Bridges Spies. 
speed camera, Revere 8 model 40 magazine, Keystone Capri K25 silver, hollow handle shaving brush, complete set of cipher tables on edible silver foil, specialist photographic equipment. Yeah, we, uh, we get the idea. Thank you. Excuse me, Agent uh, Bosco. Bosco. Sir. There seems to be a subsection to this list here. Well, most of this stuff came from his studio, but the rest is from the hotel room he was holed up in, where we found him. The hotel room you searched? Well, yeah. Can I see the warrant? The what? Yeah, explain this to me. There was a warrant. There was a warrant, a civil detention writ for the arrest of an alien, but there was no search warrant for suspicion of criminal activity. So the search and the evidence that is the fruit of that search, that's all tainted and should not be admitted. What protections does he do, Your Honor? The man is not, or it's the man is what? He's Rudolf Ivanovich Abel. He is a Soviet citizen. He's not an American. 1886, Yick Wo V. Hopkins. The court held that even aliens, in that case Chinese immigrants, could not be held to answer for a crime without due process of law, including any alien that entered the country illegally. The Department of Justice has its first allegiance to the United States. I don't see how an alien, if he's here illegally, how he suffered deprivation of rights. Rights as what? An American? Rights as what, counselor? We're in a battle for civilization. This Russian spy came here to threaten our way of life. Now, we have a courtroom of people waiting. Get out there, sit beside the Russian. Let's get this over and done with. Your motion is denied. He should take some insurance out on himself. How did we do in there? Uh, not too good. Apparently, you're not an American citizen. That's true. And according to your boss, you're not a Soviet citizen either. Well, the boss isn't always right, but he's always the boss. Do you never worry? Would it help? I'm not going to preach that last line, but I could. Because I think some of you are so gripped with worry, and let me tell you, it never really helps, does it? Hey, at the end of the day, this, this courtroom scene to me is such a great earthly picture. It gives us this illustration of an earthly kind of analogy of what Jesus does for us in heaven. Uh, let me show you what I mean. Close your eyes for just a second. I want you to imagine that as our attorney, remember Jesus is our attorney, Jesus is our advocate. Okay, eyes are closed just for a second. I want you to get this image in your mind's eye. Jesus is standing by God. And not only is he standing before God, before the judge to help us find freedom, but then he is continuously pleading our case to God so that we can stay free. Are you with me? All right, look up here for a second. Here's the verses that I think will, will make all of this more sense. The Bible says that Jesus is, is there in heaven from now to eternity to save everyone who comes through him. By the way, it's only through Jesus, okay? Watch this, and he's always on the job. He never takes a sick day. Some of you business owners wish you had employees like that, come on. 
He's never on vacation. He never takes a break. He's always on the job 24-7, 365. And what he does is he constantly, sitting on the right hand of the fathers, praying over you, and also pleading your case before the judge. Now, now understand why this is so mind-blowing, why it's so baffling. Because it's one thing when someone is defending you because you're innocent. That makes sense. But it blows me away when I think that he's pleading our case knowing that we're guilty. That we're guilty. Watch the verdict in this case. I think it'll all tie in together. Versus Rudolph Abel. As to the first count in the indictment, how do you find a defendant? Guilty or not guilty? Guilty. As to the second count? Guilty. As to the third count? Guilty. Your Honor, I make a motion to set aside these guilty verdicts against the weight of evidence. Denied. The jury is discharged. Thank you all. I would like to add that if I were one of you, I would have reached the same verdict. Yeah, guilty. Guilty. Hey, listen to me. I, I hope that this is connecting because I've really been praying over this message. We're guilty. That, there's no way around that. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Let me talk to those of you, though, who are in a relationship with Jesus. Okay, you've already accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Lean in for just a second. Don't ever forget what he saved you from. Don't ever forget what he brought you from, what he rescued you from. Come on, whenever I consider my life and I look at JC before I met Jesus, I knew that I was guilty. Instead, God reached down his hand of grace and his mercy and he pulled me out of that old life. Listen to me, those of you who are in Christ, don't ever forget that you were guilty. But God loved you in spite of you. And then for those of you that are not in Christ, you've got to stop rejecting what God wants to do. God is a God of love. He's a God of love, the most foundational verse in all of the Bible. And for people that, that aren't even familiar with faith, they, they've heard this quoted before. It's John 3, 16. It says that God so loved the world. God loved all the guilty people that he gave his only son, his one son, he sacrificed on that cross for guilty people. Can I just tell you, Kimberly and I, we, we love this church, both of our campuses, and I love that God has allowed us to pastor such a beautiful, diverse congregation of people, and I hope that you understand what I'm trying to say. You're not just hearing what I'm saying, but you understand what I'm saying. I love you, but I don't love you enough to give you my only son. I'm not, do, I'm not doing that. You're going to have to figure some things out on your own because I love my kids. Any, anybody with me on that? But God looked down at guilty people and he knew there was only one way. There's only one way and it's through the shedding of innocent blood. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that all you and I have to do is just believe. And when we believe, we never perish. Isn't that good news? That we never perish, but we have eternal Life, we get eternal life. And when I look at this verse, I mean, just it's it's all just based out of the foundation of God's love for us. God loves guilty people, and He sent His Son Jesus to save the guilty people. And I want you to know something. I pray that today, at some point in this message, whether it's the time you walked in into our lobby space or you enjoyed 
standing and worshiping with your brothers and sisters in this room, or maybe it's while I'm speaking, I just want you to feel that love. The enemy is so good at making you understand that you are guilty. We get it. And God understood it too. And so he gave he gave. And if you watch this movie and, and you really just kind of take the scales off of your eyes and you see the spiritual truth behind it, you see that there was this moment where Abel started to recognize that somebody believes in him despite himself. And I think it's hard for some of us to imagine that God would love somebody like me, that, that God would love someone like JC that has made so many mistakes, I, I'm disqualified from doing what I do. And Abel's thinking, is this, is this Donovan guy really for me? Because everybody else has tried to say that they're here to help me. None of them have really helped me. And then he has this moment where he experiences just Donovan's genuine love for him. And all of a sudden, Abel's heart starts to soften. And they have this moment, you're going to see it here in a second, where it reminds him, it reminds Abel of a time when someone else took a stand. Watch this clip. Death sentence is not a foregone conclusion, don't worry. I'm not afraid to die, Mr. Donovan. Although, it wouldn't be my first choice. You left this behind. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Never asked me if the charges were true. If I am indeed a spy. This is how we do it. The case against matters. Make it and prove it matters. The fiction is whether you did it or not doesn't matter. The state has to prove it that you're a spy. So you're not curious? No, not really. I always assumed you were an artist. My wife, she's the artist. She's a musician in the Children's Orchestra of Moscow. What instrument? The harp. No. Then she's an angel. Standing there like that, you remind me of a man who used to come to our house when I was young. My father used to say, watch this man. So I did, every time he came. And never once did he do anything remarkable. And I remind you of him? This one time, I was about the age of your son. Our house was overrun by partisan border guards. Dozens of them. My father was beaten, my mother was beaten, and this man, my father's friend, he was beaten. And I watched this man. Every time they hit him, 
he stood back up again. So they hit him harder. Still, he got back to his feet. I think because of this, they stopped the beating. They let him live. Stoiki Muzik. I remember them saying it. Stoiki Muzik. Which sort of means like a standing man. Standing man. Stoiki music. Standing man. Abel's telling the story of a memory from his childhood where his father father's friend was was beaten brutally and and he said that every every time they they beat him down he would get back up and so they they would beat him even harder and and he would he would get back up and if you heard what he said he said eventually the they moved on because they knew that they couldn't break this guy what a powerful lesson for every single one of us that just face life and all of its challenges and adversity and hardship. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to be known as a standing man. I, I want to be known as the type of person that when life beats me down, and I'm just declaring it, I'm going to get back up again. Come on now. That when the enemy throws the hardest punch that he can throw at me to try to knock me off my feet, I may hit the floor, but greater is he on the inside of me than he that's in the world. I am going to get back up again. Anybody with me today like you're going through some stuff and the enemy is trying to take you out? But I'm just telling you, you got to get back. You got to get back up again. Get back up again. Listen to me. There, there are times when your job will beat you down. But get back up. Man, there are times when your health will beat you down, but you got to get back up. There are times when friends or a relationship will beat you down, but you got to keep on pressing forward. You got to get back up. And I know this to be true. There are moments when the enemy of your soul, the Bible says that he's roaring around. He's, he's going around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's the primary objective of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy you. The enemy wants you knocked out to never get back up. But you know what the greatest frustration the enemy has is? Is when he knocks you down and you look him square in the eye and you stand up on your own two feet and you say, hey, who's your daddy now? Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. That kind of power that says no matter what you throw at me, there's not a combination of punches that you can throw at me that will knock me down. So I get it. You lost your job. That's painful. But are you going to let it keep you down or are you going to get back up again? Okay, the marriage ended and that's painful and it's messy and it's complicated. Are you going to let it knock you down and keep you down or in the right season when you say, you know what, now I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. Come on, somebody. I get it. The enemy is trying to destroy you. But I don't want this to be offensive, but somebody's got to hear it. You have thrown yourself a pity party long enough. You have stayed in bed long enough. You've pulled the covers of fear over your face long enough. You lived in deep, dark depression long enough. Stoiki muzik, 
get up, stand up, and fight. As a matter of fact, here's what I'm trying to say. You got to stand up when it would be easier to stay down. You got to get back up. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 24, 16. Though the righteous falls seven times, what do they do? They rise again. You thought rise up was just for the Atlanta Falcons. No, 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 no. The enemy is coming after you, but you have to rise again. And I think that God brought some of you to go church this morning so that you could get that word in your heart. You've got to be known as a standing man. You've got to be known as a standing woman. Life is never going to be easy. There are going to be difficult moments, but you have to keep standing. When life knocks you down, get back up. Do I got a couple hundred people? Come on now. Here, here's why. I'm almost done. Watch this. I'll show you one more clip, but you need to know this. Why do you have to keep getting back up? Because as long as you've got a pulse, God still has a plan. And if God woke you up this morning and he put blood in your veins and there's oxygen flowing in your lungs, listen to me. If you've got a pulse, God's got a plan. And the enemy never wants you to walk out that full plan. But listen to me. Get back up. Every day that you wake up and your feet hit the floor, you've won victory over the enemy. Don't you let the enemy take one more day from you. You keep standing. High five three people and tell them, say, stand up when it's easier to stay down. Come on. Stand up. Yeah. Stand up. Woo. Hey, I've preached this three times, but I feel fire right now. As a matter of fact, I, I just want to like karate chalk the devil right in the throat. A lot of people, they don't know. They're like, what does JC stand for? It stands for Jackie Chan. Watch out, boy. You got a pulse. God's got a plan. As a matter of fact, say this after me. Say, I've got a pulse. So God's got a plan. Come on, say it like you mean it. I've got a pulse. So God's got a plan. Say it like this. Devil, I got a pulse. So God's got a plan. Come on and give Jesus some praise. Come on. Come on and open up your lips from a place of victory. Come on. You keep standing. You keep fighting. You may be down, but you're not out. Come on. Woo! Oh, that feels good, doesn't it? Uh, let me show you one more clip. So, so then this is my, this is the, uh, the climax of the whole movie. So Abel is convicted of his crimes. They're pursuing the death penalty, but Donovan doesn't stop. So he's lost the case, but then he goes before the judge and he says to the judge, he says, Hey, let's not give him the death penalty because he was serving his country and it might prove to be useful for a future prisoner exchange. Now, remember, this is during the Cold War, so the, the Russians aren't the only ones sending spies. So was America. And sure enough, this is exactly what happened. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, the, the pilots, uh, Gary Powers, Francis Gary Powers, is flying over the, the USSR. His plane is shot down. He survives the crash. They arrest him. They bring him on trial. So very similar to what you've seen with Rudolf Abel. They convict him of 10 years confinement with three years in prison. And Donovan decides, I'm going after his freedom too. Because listen to me, there's always one more. And I know that there are actual prisoners of war, but I'm talking about 
spiritual prisoners of war. You gotta, you gotta see that, that illustration here as you watch this last clip. Donovan has this whatever it takes attitude to rescue people who need to be set free and he decides I'm gonna uh, negotiate an exchange so that everybody gets freedom. Watch this last clip. to see you. Have you arranged all this for me? Well, let's see what this is before I, I take credit for it. like our party. Well, let's go. You can stay here, Don. Not likely. Open the gate. У вашей жены есть родимое пятно? Да. Где? Правая грудь. Take off the hat. Hey, Powers. Hey, Murph. Yeah, that's Powers. 
All right, Mr. Donovan. We'll go now. Hang on. Believe me, I will tell you. There's no one here. You're releasing another man at Checkpoint Charlie, just confirming that he's there. Now, as per plan, if you please. Let's go. Pryor will show up or he won't. Let's go. They're waiting to see if we'll do it without him. We just have to stand here, show them we won't. We have our objective. Go ahead, Abel. Go ahead, sir. You can go. If it is not too planned, we go home. We exchange now or we go home. We're waiting for another man? Yep. You want him too? I want him. Doesn't matter what he wants, sir. I'm in charge and you are free to go. Please go. Walk across. Stoiki music. I can wait. It's something. I'm not sure yet. Hang on! Sent you a gift, Jim. It's a, it's a painting. I hope it has some meaning to you. I'm sorry, I didn't think to get you a gift. This is your gift. This is your gift.
you give me one minute, we'll, we'll finish up. I think that after everything you've seen and heard, there's really only two possible responses that we can make. The first response is for those of you that are in Christ. You, you've already said yes to Jesus. I think your response would be this. Okay, I'm going to renew that commitment so that every day God can use me to get other people who are in prison, who are in bondage, who are in captivity, to get them out. Let me give you this line. You ready? It's not on the, on the TV, but you can write it down. Freed people, free people. Uh, I told you this movie was based on a true story. Uh, James Donovan goes on to release nearly 10,000 more prisoners in his lifetime. 10,000. So if you're a Christian, it's not about just saying yes to Jesus and coming to church outside of the walls of this auditorium at both of our campuses. There are people trapped in the prison of addiction, trapped in the prison of sin, trapped in the prison of shame and guilt, and they need Jesus. Come on, give me a better yes. They need Jesus. And listen to me, I, I could talk about this for another 15 minutes, but I won't. But this is why we do things like Sunday Fun Day. It's why we say, can you just take a couple invite cards and tell somebody, hey, come to my church next week? Because one encounter with Jesus can change everything. Do you believe that? So we've got a responsibility. That's the first response. The second response is this, is maybe you're here, here today and you feel like you're in prison that you're the one trapped in prison. I want you to know something. God is fighting for your release. He is your advocate. He is your attorney. Listen to me. And God does not want you to walk back into the same prison that you walked in here from. No, no, no. You can leave here free. And that, I think this is why God changed the message on my heart because I really believe that today is a day of freedom. Whom the sun set free is free indeed. And I want somebody to know, I don't know who you are, sir, or who you are, ma'am, but please listen to me. Please, please listen to me. I know what it's like to be bound. I know what it's like to be in chains. I know what it's like to be guilty. And then I also know what it's like to be free. And that same freedom that I've experienced, I want you to experience too. And I'll always close with a question, and here it is. Will you stay in prison? Or will you surrender to the one who is fighting for your release? Come on. You can choose to stay in prison, or right here, right now, today, you can surrender to the one. His name is Jesus. He's fighting for your release. Every head bowed, every eye closed, both campuses. Our campus pastor is coming. Our worship team is coming. They're going to sing one chorus, one little chorus. You're going to consider this question and then you'll be given the opportunity to decide, will you stay in prison or will you surrender to the one who is fighting for your release?